All right, here we go. It's been a hot minute since the last one, huh? How you doing, friends? My name is John. I was trained as a pastor, and this is uh, really a fun outlet, I guess you could say. This is a podcast that I record every so often whenever I feel like I've got something good to say, and it's usually exploring some ideas that I'm wrestling or rolling over that don't quite fit into my normal nine-to-five job. So this is going to be the first one in a series, and I hope it's interesting to you because we're going to call it this, Life After Deconstruction. There we go. Or maybe just After Deconstruction. This is part one of what I think could be possibly a series of like seven or eight in a row. Here we go. And I'll record a new one every time I feel like we are getting close to having it done. So maybe it'll be a little bit more frequent than every other week, which is what I almost get around to doing each year. So this one is going to be called The Chrysalis of a Butterfly, Life After Deconstruction Part 1. And okay, this series, let me tell you, This is all about trying to address a particular issue that I see happening. So you might have heard this phrase or this word deconstruction. And it's being used right now as if it's a hot topic among religious folk, especially people that feel as though they're burned out by the common or conventional understanding of Jesus. And if you're living in America right now, we're dealing with election week, not election day. And there's a lot of hot and heavy emotions about, man, what has become of Christianity that it either affirms or denies particular uh, presidential candidates. You know, there's a lot of division and tribalism. And my goodness, it feels as though things have been headed towards this uh collision point or it's coming all together to this high point where there's a lot of high emotions. But in the midst of all of it is this whole bit about deconstruction where people have been deconstructing their faith and that kind of is the result of the input of a guy named Jacques Derrida who loved to take an idea and break it down into its undeconstructible parts. And so what ended up happening was when you have something and you try to deconstruct it down to its absolute bare undeconstructible essence, uh, sometimes it's hard to get all the way down to that. And then sometimes it's hard to build back up from it. And my goodness, I feel as though I have seen so many books or articles on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram accounts that are all devoted towards deconstruction. And I'm so tired of it. (laughs) Because it's so cliche. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? But it's a fad, I feel, and it, it doesn't take a whole lot of energy to give into it. And so that's what this series is about. This is life after deconstruction. Like when you're done 
doing that tear down and that cynicism towards the tradition or the interpretation of Jesus that you've been handed, what do you do next? Does that make sense? So in some sense, we're going to talk about reconstruction, and we're going to talk about so many other more things in this series. However, I don't like the word deconstruction, even though it's in the title, and I'll tell you why. It's because I think it, it takes the life of faith that's supposed to be mysterious and winding and living, and it deconstructs it in some sense just to being like construction. That it's just about building up a house or tearing down a house, and it's just about how you frame things. It's, uh, it's just lifeless. You know, when you see someone building a house, it's not a home yet because there's nothing living in it. And so that's the difference between a house and a home. One of them is alive and has things moving in it. The other one is just a structure. And I think that's my beef with the term deconstruction, is that it has taken faith down to just being a house rather than a home. It has taken it and kind of diminished it and made it less than this budding and thriving thing of which it is. So there we go. But that's why I would prefer to maybe talk about it in more biological terms. So even though we're going to call this after deconstruction part one, I think we'll just call it AD part one and AD part two and three, four, five, six, seven. Um, I wish that we used the language of like a garden. You could till it up. You know, you have to plow the field before you can plant some seeds. You have to do some necessary digging up of the ground so that you can make it receptive to taking into itself something living. And so I'm thinking of plowing fields. I'm thinking of tilling a field. I'm thinking of a, a hoe or like... Just simple gardening tools. We don't even have to think big scale. Just a small six by six garden. Just till it up and eliminate some weeds so that something beautiful can come out of it. And that's what interests me. That's called, in the common vernacular, that would be reconstruction. But to me, that's just the normal task of faith. Faith should always be evolving and growing and tilling the ground and asking, is it fertile? Has it stopped growing? Has it no longer borne fruit? Is this soil, is this devoid of the minerals that we need? So do we need to bring in something else to help this plant to thrive? You see, the metaphor is so much different when we talk about it in biological or gardening terms rather than construction terms. So there we go. But this is all an attempt to try to address the problem of people being stuck in deconstruction, and that might be you. It was me for a bit, and I'd like to think that I'm come out on the other side. So, that's the intro. Let me take a drink, because my mouth is getting dry, and then we will get into this. Hold on.
Okay. So we've got a number of episodes. Right now I have seven mapped out or marked out. I think we might have more. I don't know. Maybe it depends if you want to send me input. That's cool too. But the next one, I think we'll call it lower it or raise it. We'll talk about scripture. We'll talk about number three, naming or pointing the language that we use when we talk about God. Four, we'll talk about the Genesis poem and you. That'll be cool. Um, Number five, I'm thinking we'll talk about this story of the resurrection of Jesus in a reconstructive way or in a blossoming biological gardening manner. That's going to be a cool episode. Uh, We'll talk about being co-conspirators with God in six and then in seven, onward and upward and always transcending and including. And we might have more after that. But welcome to the ride because this is going to be fascinating. I really hope so. Um, So again, I'm just so tired of the talk of deconstruction. I'm just tired of it because it's almost as though it's like a slow rot that you can kind of have a a weed in the garden and it just slowly chokes out everything else. And that's, that's kind of what happens if you don't have a person or a place or a deep enough well of wisdom to draw from. You could very easily go through life and then let life deconstruct your faith for you. And especially if you have constant pressure from outside, from others, or even from within yourself to keep talking about God the same way that you did when you were four. But let's say maybe now you're 40 or 64. And so if you have the attempt to try to still think about God in that same way, it may not work anymore. And it would be similar to um, a hermit crab staying in one shell for too long that it's clearly outgrown. You could even say it's kind of like an adult trying to ride a kitty bicycle for the Tour de France. You're like, hey, buddy, I really think you need to upgrade bikes at a certain point. Yeah. So reconstruction is far more interesting to me. Maybe it is to you, especially after this first 10 minutes or so. But there's a difference um, in one sense, because there might be a lot of you that are listening that were raised in rather religious households. And that's good. That's fine. There's nothing bad with that. But at a certain point, something will come along in your life, and it will challenge the framework that you were handed. It's going to present you with issues or problems or mysteries that your previous framework that you were handed can't handle. It could be death or divorce. It could be addiction, or it just could be you're probing some questions that your faith community doesn't know how to reply to. But I like to think that spirituality starts when your religious framework fails you. And there can be a lot of people who stay devoted And like good little soldiers, they devote themselves to protecting their religious framework. 
And they can do that dutifully for 50, 60 years before they actually let the real lesson, the real mystery of the Christ to actually penetrate them and cut into their heart and soul and plant some seeds, you know? It's possible that the easiest way to hide from God is in a building devoted to God. Because you can sound so pious, but actually be so far from the real incarnate mystery of the person of Jesus. You feel me? So spirituality starts where your religious framework fails you. Now, how are some ways that, let's say, your religious framework could fail you? Or or what are some of the things that might kickstart your deconstruction? And maybe you've experienced some of these. Well, let's say you've had some experiences and they don't know what to do with it. So if your former religious framework doesn't know what to do with the fact that you actually heard a voice on a mountaintop, okay, that'll start to chip away. Or let's say you've gone through an enormous disappointment. Let's say you know somebody who died in a car accident and the the religious frame blah, the religious framework that you were handed can't handle that grief, that disappointment, that despair, you know? That could be one way. What else? If it starts to hinder your growth or to keep your soul from blossoming, then that means your religious framework is decrepit. It's too broken down. It, it can't handle that. Um, I also have here, oh, if your religious framework, if it, oh, if it's defenders, I almost couldn't read my handwriting right there. Uh, if it's defenders disappoint you, like let's say your pastor has a massive failure or even your own mentor has a massive failure. It's like, oh my gosh, that's kind of disappointment, right? Because apparently you thought that the religious framework would change somebody's life, but apparently that person was living a double life this whole time. Like, oh my goodness, right? Or let's say your religious framework allows people to abuse others. That's not good either. That's actually a good reason to enter deconstruction. All of these so far are a good reason to enter into deconstruction and questioning all of this. If it can't handle your questions, right? If it wants to keep you as a loyal soldier, let's be honest, there are some people that their perspective of religion means that in order to be a good follower of that religion, it means you never question it. That could also get under your skin. And that also could be very stifling. And that also would be a good reason to say, you know, I think it's time to start digging even harder to, you know, till the ground even harder. So it all comes down to this. When I brought up earlier the analogy that deconstruction is inherently a construction metaphor, whereas 
maybe we should use biological and talk about gardening or just natural, then it has something living in it. But that's part of the question is because when you're going through deconstruction or when you're going through that, you start to realize that you no longer put faith in a system that maybe other people still do. But you're starting to put faith because you've started to have experiences of spirit. And so there's this back and forth, this either or of, um, am, I, am I devoted to the system or to the spirit that sometimes shows up in that system, but maybe not always. You see, there's a passage in the New Testament that says, do not quench the Holy Spirit's fire. And there are certainly some systems of religious behavior or framework that do okay at allowing the Spirit to happen, but maybe dial it back a little bit, you know? Maybe you've been in circles that love to be devoted to the system that sometimes shows spirit, but you're ready to move on to another system or a completely other system that lets spirit happen more often. And that's totally okay to do because you can't stay in a system that keeps you uh, stifled. You can't stay in a system that doesn't let you ask questions. You can't stay in a system that keeps you from asking questions, that keeps you from joy, that keeps you from wonder, that keeps you from having a constantly expanding heart for compassion. That is not a system to devote yourself to. But if you want to chase after spirit that does want to invite you into further joy and further wonder, into further capacity for mercy or love or forgiveness, if you want to go into that, then go for it. Because that's actually the tradition of Jesus. Jesus came up in a system, the judeo well, let's say just the Judaism of his day. That was the system that he came up in. But he himself was devoted to the spirit that told him to rise up out of it and to point towards something else. And so Jesus is a perfect example of someone that came from a system but somehow quoted that system to say we need to follow after spirit. Another case uh, in point is in John 4. Jesus is having a conversation with a woman at a well, and it's the longest recorded conversation that we have of Jesus in the New Testament. And they go back and forth. And eventually this woman says, but I worship on a different mountain than you do. You worship over in Jerusalem, I worship over on the Mount Chorazim because she was a Samaritan and they weren't welcome on the same mountain. And Jesus says this, one day we will worship, the true believers will worship in spirit and in truth. They will worship in a way that's not bound to favorite mountains. They will worship in ways that are not bound towards 
drawing lines about who's in and who's out. They will be drawn to worship in a particular way that's inclusive rather than exclusive because it's not about genealogy or location or gender or any one of those tribal affiliations and says the true believers will be worshiping in spirit and in truth and boom. Isn't that crazy? But maybe that's your thing, right? Maybe that's where you're at, where you're starting to realize some cracks in the armor or chinks in the armor, or maybe you're starting to realize that the system that you were handed was good for a time, and now it's letting you down because it's holding you back from experiencing more spirit, which, by the way, the New Testament says God is spirit. So it might be helpful in some sense to uh, switch analogies just for a moment and say this. Uh, I called this one the chrysalis of a butterfly because I read somewhere that the Greek word for soul is the same word for butterfly. And you can go back and go back and listen to uh, Don't Lose Your Suke. That's an earlier episode that breaks that down even further. But I, I went and got a book called The Language of Butterflies because I was like, you know what? I'm going to read about butterflies so I can better understand soul. And it has been fascinating. A caterpillar apparently is in the same family system or family uh, in the natural world as a moth. <laughs> They're not that far different from each other. Uh, moths tend to have moths tend to have cocoons, and butterflies tend to have chrysalises, or that's the the official terms for what they go through. But a butterfly originally is a caterpillar. And then it eventually goes into a chrysalis. It dissolves down and is completely remade while inside there. And then it has to do the hard work of breaking out of the chrysalis. Now, here's what I found out. Is that if a scientist were watching the butterfly come out of the chrysalis, it's actually detrimental to the butterfly's well-being for the scientist to open the chrysalis for them. They actually have to struggle against the inside of their chrysalis because that's what kind of pumps uh, the nutrients, the liquid, around to the wings of the butterfly so that the wings grow their strength so that they can expand so that they can better and better break open the chrysalis. It's almost like the chrysalis is giving the necessary pushback to force the butterfly to grow stronger so that then it can get out and be able to fly. But if it didn't have that struggle against the chrysalis, it wouldn't be able to fly afterwards and would probably be more quickly eaten by some other higher predator. Okay, but maybe that's an analogy that can be helpful for you. Once upon a time, you were a caterpillar in the faith, and then you started to realize, I need to shelter up in this, and so you built a chrysalis. 
because the world can be kind of harsh, but you know what? It was also just time to grow. And in the midst of all of these questions, all of these things that have been spurring you into deconstruction, all the things that have been making you ask questions and even want to just buck the whole system and say, whatever, I don't need this whole Jesus tradition. Maybe now you're actually starting to bust out of the system that you went into, but now you're coming out of it completely different and you're struggling with it and that's good in some sense, because Jacob wrestled with God and was given the name Israel. And the Israelites are the people of God all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, and they struggle with God. That's what it means to be an Israelite. Those who struggle with God, just like how Jacob wrestled with God. And so if you're wrestling with the topic of God and the topics of Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the center of the tradition, because that means you are spiritually an Israelite. Great job. (laughs) But you have to do this struggle so then you can fly, so then you can bust out and explore the open sky which you couldn't explore before when you were a caterpillar in the faith. But now, let's say you're a butterfly, and now you can coast on the wind, and guess what? The Hebrew word for wind is also the word for spirit, ruach. Maybe it's time for you to bust out of this system that you originally encased yourself in so that you can maybe stay a caterpillar a little longer. But now it's time to bust out for you to become a butterfly so that you can experience greater spirit and this new version of what your life of faith should be. Boom. There we go. So here we go. This is fascinating because deconstruction, I feel like, is a bit of a fad right now. It's almost as though it's hip or it's cool to tear down Christianity to its in to its undeconstructible parts. But then sometimes you have a hard time building it back up from that. And it's a good thing to go through that, but it's not good to stay stuck there because it's totally possible to get stuck in cynicism and stuck in deconstruction. You're stuck just decomposing and tearing apart everything. And then you can go so far that then you don't have anything to stand on. It's almost like you're trying then to change from a caterpillar into a butterfly without a chrysalis. You need a structure around you. And so maybe you need to appreciate the structure for a bit and its gifts that it gave you before you can move on. But this is just part one, ladies and gentlemen. This is... I have here 27 minutes in. This is only part one of After Deconstruction. And I hope that we can, over the next couple episodes, uh, address particular issues that you might have, especially for those of you that grew up in the Christian tradition. You feel like you can't fully give into how you used to have it or believe in it. But also, if you feel like you can't verbally say out loud that you still like Jesus because 
you're surrounded by people that still have that caterpillar understanding of Jesus. And that's fine for them. It's good for a time. But you can't make people go where they don't want to go. Isn't that right? And so here we go. Maybe now it's time for you to do your necessary task of struggling, just like the Israelites, to flap your wings a bit so they can build up the strength so that then you can soar on the winds of spirit from this point on. So welcome. This is going to be an interesting series. Please uh, share it with a friend, somebody especially if you know that they are stuck in deconstruction. That would be great. Invite them along. Tell them to email me or text me or find me on Twitter or on Instagram if you want to give a shout out to this. Uh, what was that? By giving it a, a review on iTunes. I guess that would be cool, right? But ultimately, this is just trying to be helpful. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about uh, particular topics from a different angle than maybe you've heard before. And we're going to try to uh, talk about, well, uh, scripture and God and uh, how to read, like Genesis. I already talked about that one before. The resurrection, being co-conspirators with God, onward and upward. We, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. So feel free to dive in. It's going to be a good ride because it's always a good ride. But let's do this. Let's not stay stuck in cynicism or deconstruction, but instead, uh, what do we want to say? Blossom, grow, thrive, fly. Let's do it. Welcome to After Deconstruction, the series. (laughs) That's so corny. All right. Grace and peace.